1: Happy to be speaking today with Paul James Caden of the Mind's Eye Podcast. I was recently on his show. We did a couple of episodes, really interesting conversation. So, welcome, Paul, to Mind Shift Podcast.
0: Hey, it's good to be here and have another uh, meeting of the minds, if you will. The meeting of the mind. Mind's Eye to Mind
1: Shift. <laughs> It's funny, because as we're doing this recording now, it's been exactly one week, isn't it, since we did our show? Or was it two weeks?
0: Yeah, I think we've done our show the uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was the yeah. Friday after Thanksgiving. So, so it's so been just a few week.
1: weeks, but we knew this time slot could work. So yes, we had a really interesting discussion. We talked about Dominion Theology. We talked a little bit about what I've been focusing on with these Trump failed prophecies and... I'm fascinated to hear your take on some of that stuff because I know that some of your background. But maybe for those of you that don't know, those listeners who don't know Paul, maybe take a little bit and explain your backstory. Uh, did you come out of Christianity, evangelicalism? What What's your
0: story? Yeah, my my story is uh, should be one for like a psychological, uh, you know, mm. <laughs> a thriller Evaluation. Uh, movie or something. <laughs> Yeah. You know, some kind of novel or a movie, because it, it was right out of something you would see in like some kind of movie where people get messed up in a cult. Uh, my parents were never really religious, but somewhere around when I was in the third or fourth grade, uh, they decided they wanted to go to church. And we went to this little uh, Methodist church out in the country. And it was like textbook, you know, at a, a Hollywood movie, you know, the, the preacher with the slick, back, black hair, you know, oh, in, the yeah. booming, in the booming voice, you know, God, you know, I was. Like,
1: yeah. Why do they talk like that?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, he he kind of had a naturally deep voice, but he really, uh, you know, put more emphasis on it when he would preach. And I remember sitting in the front uh, pew with my parents one Sunday, and this guy is up here saying, you know, he starts out a sermon. And I remember this like it was yesterday. He was like, when someone dies of cancer. They're in a fatal car accident. We stub our toe or come down with a cold or the flu or a terminal disease. Is this coincidence? No, this is God punishing us for our sins. You know, Wow. And uh, he went on this whole sermon how, you know, God, even though we repent, he will punish our sins eventually because he can't tolerate, you know, wrongdoing or sin. So it might come through, you know, some these heinous, you know, uh, happenings in our lives. Mm hmm. So, He's I grew, get his back someday, huh? Yeah. So, I, I grew up, you know, with this fear, you know, you never know what God's going to do. You know, is he going to kill someone, you know, that I love, one of my family members, one of my grandparents? Is he going to kill me? And uh, you talk about uh, religious uh, post traumatic stress uh, syndrome. I mean, I, I think Absolutely. I had that since, since I was like in, in the fourth grade. And I remember in my 20s and even into my 30s. Sometimes this would just come upon me when life was going well and say, well, don't get too happy with it because you don't know when you're going to screw up and God's going to just take something away or take you out of the game.
1: Yeah. Lower the boom. It's like the sword of Damocles, isn't it? It's just always hanging over your head. So traumatic.
0: It definitely is, and I remember being a little kid. I mean, what what a hell of a thing for a kid in like you know Absolutely. third, fourth, fifth grade. You know, getting the stomach virus or the flu or a cold and laying in your bed, burning up with fever, going, "God, what did I do?" You know? mm-hmm. It's just a pretty pathetic uh, you know picture.
1: That's religious trauma syndrome, though. That's what it is, isn't it? I I mean, yeah. I had the same kinds of things as a kid growing up in fundamentalist churches, hearing those same. St- kind of stories. And I've talked about seeing the movie A Thief in the Night when I was 10 or 11 and being absolutely terrified that I was going to get left behind in the rapture, you know, and face the tribulation. So, you know, you, when you're a kid, you can't process this kind of stuff emotionally like an adult can. And so you just take it to heart, don't you? You believe every word, the preacher, your parents, everyone says it's true. And it's absolutely true.
0: And it's it's so funny that you mention A Thief in the Night because that Methodist church actually showed that movie. I don't know where the heck they got like a projector and showed it on this, you know, this screen in front of the church. Mm -hmm. And we went one night and we watched it. And, uh, you know, at the end, everybody, you know, come up, you know, row by row and, you know, kneel, you know, in front of the church. And this guy comes up to me, you know, and I don't even know what he said. He was just like mumbling. And he goes, and did you do this tonight? And I'm just a little kid. So I just go, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And, you know, he says some prayer and, and I was I didn't have the whole rapture fear, but I had it for a while, you know, maybe for about a year after that, because, you know, what did that guy say to me? Mm-hmm. What is it I was supposed to do that night that I get something wrong that if the rapture does happen? Well, you know, I flubbed up because I wasn't paying attention when the guy was asking me a question, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, interesting
1: very traumatic. Yeah, because as kids, I can remember the same thing, racking my brain, begging God, praying the sinner's prayer thousands and thousands of times, almost every night. And every mm-hmm. time that they, in in a, like a youth group service, we used to go to Christian summer camp every summer. And it was always, you know, rededicate your life to Christ. And man, I was always up there raising my hand. I can remember the preacher saying every every head bowed and every every eye closed and every head bowed you know raise your hand only me and god will see you and i i always look around and I'd raise my <laughs> hand though i was i was one of those ones that raised my hand every time just to make sure you can't be too careful
0: yeah, we, we if we had a dollar for every time we uh, <laughs> yeah. rededicated our lives to Christ, so you know we'd be rich right now. <laughs>
1: That's right, we'd be as rich as Donald Trump. Well, maybe not that rich. So yeah, so you grew up in this very uh, religious, almost what fundamentalist would you say background?
0: Yeah, it was Methodist for a while, but then it kind of uh, faded into or phased into fundamentalism. Uh, because my father, you know, he started watching some of the televangelists who are more, you know, fundamentalist, evangelical, 700 club, you know, things of that nature. So that seemed to be the the next phase. And that that, that was really no better. And then t- toward the end, this was probably in the early 90s, you know, where I started, you know, my father, you know, again, you know, he was like, oh, you know, you got to you got to watch this guy. I saw on TV, he's really good. And it was Kenneth Copeland. And I thought it was better at the time because, you know, here's this guy sitting at a little kitchen table with a, you know, a a cup of tea, just talking about prayer and faith and God is love. Bible open. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is great. You know? Yeah. But when it got down to the point of uh, not so very long later, he's all prosperity gospel and running back and forth on the platform, yelling, you know, I have a daddy and he's rich, you know, Mm Mm-hmm. I was like this, you know, and by that time, I started really exploring alternative forms of spirituality, probably in about 1994, Uh, I had a little bit of guilt over it, but I was coming more into my own. And so by 1999, that's when I came out of fundamentalism, I came out of it all because it was getting ridiculous with the televangelists. The church is trying to find that church home. They were always judgmental and hypocritical. You know, people were very, you know, mean when you would walk into mm-hmm. a church and you were a visitor. Oh yeah. And yeah, uh, it's
1: supposed to be a welcoming place. I mean, that's why people choose a church in the first place. Isn't it? One of the top, probably one or two reasons why, if you're out church shopping, you end up in a church because it's so friendly. Yeah. They're so loving and they welcome you in and, you know, so if they're, if they're mean to you, that doesn't come down the road till down the road later, you
0: know? Yeah. And uh, you get sucked into it. You know, you, you talk about uh, coincidence or, you know, the universe uh, coordinating, uh, you know, certain events. By the time I was getting tired of everything, and I used to go to these three Christian bookstores. One was Baptist, one was Word of Faith, and one was uh, Evangelical. And if I would go to one, they would the guy would say, "You don't go to those other two bookstores, do you? Because they're they're her, they're heretics. You know, they believe <laughs> in such." Right. Then you'd go to the other one, and there would be a lady. You don't go to the other people's bookstores, do you? Because they're heretics. They that guy's a Baptist, and you know. And then I had right at that moment Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons show up at my door, you know, with with their pitch. Oh yeah. And then a good friend of mine became Catholic. So he's like, oh, this is the true faith. You you know, nothing. And it just reached a point in my life where I said, you know what? Enough. If that's what Christianity is and none of you people can agree, I'm out. And Mm -hmm. uh, as we talked about in my show, it it was, uh, you know, this was late 1999 into the year 2000 and from 2000 to 2001. I call it the year of hell because it was, you know, and I didn't even realize this would happen. You know, the anxiety, the guilt waking up in cold sweats, you know, Mm -hmm. questioning that I do the right thing. I was like dreaming about this and waking up in like full blown, like anxiety attacks where my legs were so rubbery. I couldn't stand up out of the bed, you know? So it was crazy. You know, it it just released all the monsters from the id in my mind, you Mm -hmm. know? And, uh, You know, I I got through it and uh, so much the better, you know. I I knew something wasn't right even when I was eyeballed deep in evangelicalism Mm -hmm. and fundamentalism. I was never the head-shaking drone. I had my own thoughts on things and my own discernment. And when I'd hear some of these preachers and pastors, I remember even as a little kid in like fifth, sixth, seventh grade sitting there going, I don't think this is right. And later it turned into... I, you know, if there's a God, this is definitely not how He is. You know, this mm-hmm. this is a man-made idea. This is not good. It just reached a point where you know I, I had to break away from it. And now that I look back and see the uh, the implosion that evangelicalism, the Word of Faith, the fundamentalist, you know, all of it uh, has had over the years, it's unbelievable. It's like they're the, their own Sodom and Gomorrah. I walked out and now it's raining like they're collapsing under their own hellfire and brimstone. Yeah,
1: you got out just in time.
0: Yeah, God knows the madness that would have uh, rippled into my life. Holy geez. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, going back to what you said about anxiety and, and experiencing all that trauma and stress, that it kind of hits you like a tidal wave. That's un- unexpected, isn't it? Because as you say, you're just thinking, I'm, I'm walking away from my former religion. And then all this stuff starts happening in terms of mental health. There's something that if we're not used to that, which well, most of us aren't, I mean, we have our relatively normal lives. We just do our daily business. We go to work and we have our family and we do our thing. But um, last year, when we lost my son-in-law, I've talked about this. I talked about this last year when this happened, but it's just gone past the one year anniversary. And it Mm. it, it really hit me just the other day when it was the one year anniversary, how traumatic that event was when we went through it a year ago. And it, it, on the day that it was the one year anniversary of his death, I was really like full of anxiety at work, having a, I had a really hard time keeping it together and I'm teaching all these students and, you know i had no capacity for anything any i was so stressed out and i'm like what's going on here this is so strange in terms of mental health when it's unexpected isn't it you, you don't know how to cope with it you can't just shake it off you don't go no. well i'm just going to just shake it off and i'll be better no it doesn't go away and you've got to get help i mean you need sometimes people need counseling and therapy to work through these traumas and anxieties and issues coming out of religion, don't they?
0: They, they definitely do. And there for a while in, in my year of hell, I, I certainly thought there were times I was like, I, I don't know if I can work through this one by myself. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've had my, you know, times of anxiety and stress as a teenager, you know, with, with my life story, but nothing like this. I mean, this was uh, every ounce of strength plus to, to try to like stem you know get through that tidal wave of anxiety and uh there were times i i I didn't think i didn't think i would be able to do it by myself or even ever get through it Mm. it was it was literally like a hell on earth and that's uh yeah it's 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 bad business
1: so how did you get through it then in the end how did you get through this traumatic year of hell
0: for me it was just time and knowing you know that i did the right thing you know, looking back and, you know, going over the things that I was taught in these religions, all the division, you know, the people in the Christian bookstores, they couldn't even support one another, you know, everybody, we're the truth. No, we're the truth. No, everybody else is a heretic. We're the truth. And I've always been, you know, a, a spiritual person at heart, even, you know, I don't know if you, you know, want me to get into my life story, you know, as far as that goes, but I can remember being a kid. Uh, literally three, four, five years old, and just having these thoughts about life, the world, you know, things that you would say were uh, mystical that a kid that age shouldn't be thinking about. you know my mm-hmm. parents certainly certainly weren't uh, religious. And that was kind of like my little pilot light through life, even when as I got into religion that always said, this isn't right. You know th- these people aren't pointing us toward the truth. And once I got through, you know, religion and came out of the other side of it, that was my goal. I said, you know, I, I want to get back and explore who I am at my core and who I was as a kid and a younger person before I encountered all this, you know, dogma and damnation. Mm -hmm. So it was time. It was keeping my eye on the prize, wanting to get back to that peace, you know, that innocence And serenity in my own life. And, uh, you know, I I just made it through, you know, took about a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, looking back, I was fortunate because years later, I met a lot of people who are on the same path, and they have been in it for years. And I know people right now who are still going through that hell. And it's been 20, 25 years, 30 years, and they're still going through it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Sometimes you need therapy, you need counseling. And I think you need to find if you you think, okay, I need therapy or counseling. You need to find a therapist who is versed in religious trauma syndrome. Because what I found out that a lot of counselors and therapists have never heard of RTS. They don't know what it is. So you have to almost educate them as to what it is. You need a specialist who can deal with those kinds of traumas because as I've talked with with other people on the show that are experts in RTS, yes, trauma is trauma in a sense, but religious trauma is a kind of a whole nother deal on top of the <laughs> the regular traumas that we've all experienced in our life, isn't it? So it's a, it's a whole nother layer on top of basically like like you said PTSD, isn't
0: it? Yeah, because this is just not. Um you know, sh- everyday stress and anxiety, this, this is eternal stress and anxiety. You know, if, yeah. if, if I foul up here and don't do a good job, Hey, I'm burning in hell forever. So that's, yeah. uh, the
1: stakes are incredibly high.
0: It's not like, Hey, uh, you know, if I lose my job, I could get another one, you know, or whatever the case may be. There's no get out of jail free card for, uh,
1: <laughs> get out for of hell the- free. <laughs> yeah. no. <laughs> well and going back to what you said I remember talking about this with the guy that was on the show not long ago Dean Crosets, and he he described a similar kind of experience in charismatic Christianity and my response was what you've just described I think is what Robert Lifton calls doubling where you had that authentic self like you said that kid who had those those spiritual thoughts and metaphysical thoughts as a young boy then you went into religion and you, and you almost have to adopt a completely different persona. And then when you leave it, you've got to go back and then recover that original self. And that's that process of doubling. It's creating another inauthentic self, which is the religious self. So you can fit into the community and we talk the talk, we walk the walk, we said all the right things, but that really wasn't truly who we were as people. Our identity was something else. And now we've got to recover that. Don't we, after leaving religion behind.
0: It is. And, you know, when I um, we first went to that little Methodist church and I was in like the, the fourth grade, I, re- I remember talking to some of the the people there, like the Sunday school teacher. And I think there was like once I talked to the, uh, the pastor himself and, you know, I would talk about some of these things that, you know, I always thought because I thought they were exciting. Oh, you know, I, I, you know, I was thinking about God and I thought, you know, blah, 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 you know, and the answer was always like, oh, no you know, that's something (laughs) you don't want to do. So it was either directly or indirectly from the pulpit, you know, through, this is the way we have to believe this is the way we we have to have faith in order to please God. Again, here I was, you know, little kid, you know, laying on my bed going, you know, being so afraid that I had it all wrong. You know, I wanted to be who I was my authentic self, but I was afraid because it's all wrong. It's it's demons, it's Mm -hmm. devils. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not pleasing God, you know and I also found it very strange that when I first learned to talk to what you know they call God, you know the the higher force in the universe, you know, I have to pray in Jesus name. So starting to do that was very awkward for me to do
1: because you're thinking there's something else maybe out there different other than the God of Christianity.
0: Well yeah, my my experience as a little kid and, and I remember it, like so vaguely, you know, always feeling like that there was just this presence around me, you know. I couldn't, I couldn't see it, but I felt like this tremendous sense of like love and guidance. And being a little kid, I, I would sometimes talk to it like a friend, you know. Yeah, you know, j- just just experiences I had when when I was a little kid that were just you know really strange. And I I I kind of grew up with this sense that. You know, the world and the universe is a bigger—or when I was a kid, I used to think, you know, bigger and more magical place than we, you know, know. And uh, then Christianity comes along, and you're thinking, well, geez, maybe that bigger magical place was just the devil putting one over on me, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, gotta watch those, you know, spiritual thoughts. If it's not uh, the God of the Bible, watch out—you're being fooled by demons. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. The, the, the psychological tactics that are used and they're again, not unique to Christianity, are they? The cults use the same kind of thing, mind control and emotional control to get us to think a certain way, behave a certain way, believe and look a certain way as well. Externals are very important too. And, and many churches aren't they? You have to look a certain way as well. So it's all this package that you're, stuck into and then getting out of that you don't realize how deep how deeply embedded it all is and my god it takes like you say years maybe decades to get to work your way out of that
0: it does i, I think these people you know as far as religion and spirituality they they do a wonderful job in, in driving more people away from religion and spirituality then they're actually bringing, you know, into it. And, and I always found it interesting, too, that if, if you go back in history, you, you have people like the Gnostics and some of the other, uh, you know, early Christian movements who uh, looked at like the Catholic Church or even the, uh, you know, the Jewish people. And said hey the, these people got it all wrong they're they're the one worshiping the dark lord look, look at their god of vengeance and anger and you know destruction you know this this is horrible you know yeah. so
1: <laughs> vengeful angry god yeah certainly the way god comes across in a lot of the old testament doesn't he and there's actually a lot of judgment and wrath in the new testament that most evangelicals kind of overlook too don't they They've got this uh, hippie Jesus kind of a guru type of guy, you know, long hair, <laughs> sandals, wearing Birkenstocks, wearing a robe, sitting in a park teaching teaching people about spirituality and loving our brothers and sisters. And hey, that's great. Forget about the god who's ordering genocide and you know horrific laws about stoning teenage kids who are out of control, you know, so, or gay people or whatever, someone who loses their virginity before their marriage. I mean, that's all in the Old Testament law. God commanded all that according to the Bible. So that's a big problem.
0: Yeah, I had i had a really big problem even when I was uh, knee-deep in Christianity or eyeball deep with the Old Testament when I would read that and I would just say, you know, this this doesn't make sense. How do we go from this to, you know, leaping over to Jesus? Mm-hmm. And the evangelicals say, well, Jesus was the presence in the uh the pillar of uh, cloud that led the Israelites out of mm-hmm. Egypt. He was the, the pillar of fire, you know? So I yeah. was like, well, you know, Jesus was this, uh, you know, real bastard back in the, yeah. know, the Old Testament. He's then all coming up pretty, yeah, pretty bad too, doesn't he? Then all of a sudden he's like, poof, hey guys, I'm, it's all love and peace. <laughs> that's right. Rainbows
1: and unicorns from the from Matthew 1, 1 all the way through. Well, till you get to Revelation and some of the other places, Jude's a bit rough. You know, there's some apocalyptic literature in the New Testament that's really problematic as well. And no one knows what to do with Revelation except for guys like Hal Lindsey and you know the Late Great Planet Earth, Thief in the Night, Left Behind. They made millions off of that series for sure.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people don't know either that the the Book of Revelation it made it into the Bible by the skin of its teeth. Even even mm-hmm. the, the the councils, uh, the church councils, you know, back in the day of the Catholic Church, there there were major arguments over the Book of Revelation. And then they finally put it in. And then when Luther broke away, he took it out. And then he put it back in again. Yeah. So, you know, people say, oh, it was written by, you know, the Apostle John. But if you dig into it, you know, the book is said to be written by, you know, St. John the Divine. But scholars and theologians, historians, they don't know who that is. So we just assume, you know, we yeah. put this tag on it that's the, it's the you know, John the, the Apostle John. Or but, John, yeah. Apostle yeah, John. we we don't know, you know, and, and it's probably not
1: right. Yeah. it's There's a lot of things. A lot of, of, of Paul's letters are disputed as well. Aren't they? Some are considered either forgeries or written by someone who may have known if there was a person called Paul. So yeah, there's a lot of questions when you start really drilling down, as you say, the text is a little bit, well, it's a lot problematic. Those were some of the questions and problems that I had. The more I dug into it academically, especially the Old Testament, because I was an Old Testament guy. And, you know, you start getting into textual criticism and looking at the different manuscripts, then all the evidence that that I thought we had was just absolutely amazing as an evangelical. It's pretty shaky. If you want to argue that the text is inerrant, that there's no mistakes, and, you know, it's inspired and all the rest of it. Man, you've got a real steep uphill climb to get to the top of that one. But yet millions of evangelicals, they believe it. Absolutely. They almost worship the Bible.
0: And, and they don't know also that, you know, the Old Testament writings, they, they've been tampered with, you know, sure. they've been rewritten, been edited, they've been yeah, edited rewritten. There's even um, Jewish people right now, if, if you look this up, who are, who are very disheartened saying, you know, well, there's the, um, you know, the scriptures that we know. And then there's the real scriptures that the rabbis, you know, know about. But it's, you know, they've kept it from us that we have their version of it.
1: All right. I haven't heard that, that
0: one. And that's kind of what we have, uh, you know, with the New Testament as well. You know, if, if you read our translations of the Bible compared to, you know, the oldest manuscripts, uh, there's all kinds of things that are added on and edited out uh, the way they translated it, because it was too fantastic, you know, for these words of Christ mm-hmm. uh, to be saying something. I think it's like in Mark 11 when he's talking about faith, if I remember correctly, uh, the literal translation in the Greek is that he says, have have the faith of God or, the, or the, the same kind of faith as God, that when you pray, that when you speak, you will have the things, you know, that you ask for. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of really kind of mystical, metaphysical claims that really give the spiritual power to the individual, but they watered it down to say, well, no, you know, it's... Uh, you're reading it wrong. It's, 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 it's different that that that's, that's not really what it's saying. And you have to be dependent on us to interpret this correctly.
1: It's the ultimate gaslighting though, isn't it? You're telling people, no, like you said, that's not what you're seeing. What seems to be the plain and pretty obvious reading of a text. Nope. You got to rely on me because I'm an expert in Greek and Hebrew and everything else and Aramaic. And I know the truth. I know the, the score. Yeah, but we've created a whole class of theologians and pastors who, I mean, the church is dependent on these people, aren't they? This was my argument when I was studying preaching. I said, look, I mean, I'm, I'm researching this topic. The fact is that most people in most churches are kept in a state of spiritual and emotional infancy because the pastor does all the work for them. You know, he usually, he interprets the text, and, uh, explains it to them in the sermon, and even applies it for them at the end. He tells them what to do, and all they have to do is go out and do whatever it is he's saying to do. They don't have to think. They don't have to do any actual heavy lifting because the pastor's done everything for, and he's the expert. He's been to Bible college and seminary. So, of course, he knows the text better than I do. He knows theology. He studied it. He's got a master's degree or a doctorate in all this stuff. So, who am I to question his word? He's the expert, Mm -hmm. and that's what happens. We'll just take a short break here in my chat with Paul James Caden. In a minute, when we come back, we're going to be getting into dominion theology and taking a look at this issue of the evangelical involvement in politics. What's strange about this conversation is we recorded this a few weeks ago. It wasn't that long after the election, and now there's been so many new developments that have happened. Of course, just recently we've had the Capitol riots with Trump's insurrection, I guess you could call it, with all these far-right groups, QAnon, Christians nutcases trying to storm the Capitol. And at this moment, as I'm doing this recording, they're about to vote on whether or not to impeach Donald Trump before he leaves office. So some of the stuff that we talked about is a little bit dated. In fact, we talk about Parler, which I guess now has been taken down and they're struggling to find a place to go. So it's interesting how quickly the news can change. So some of this is just a tiny bit dated, but it's because the news media cycle moves so quickly. Anyway, we just wanted to mention what's coming up in the next few episodes. We've got Janine Puckett dropping in a couple of weeks. This is fascinating, too, because she has an unbelievable story story coming out of a lot of the charismatic church people that I've been talking about in those episodes on the failed Trump prophecies. She was actually part of Dutch Sheets Church in Colorado, I believe it was, and she has just an amazing story. So look for that episode with Janine Puckett coming out. And then I've got so many people that I've already scheduled calls with this week and next week. In fact, as I'm doing this recording now, I've just literally finished talking with Thomas Hanna. He is an ex-pastor. We had a fantastic conversation comparing notes. Now he's a therapist who deals with religious trauma syndrome. So we talked about that too. So there's some great resources in that episode. So look for the one with Thomas Hanna coming out. I'm also going to be talking with Jiska and Josiah Meyer of the Seeking Health podcast. I was just on their show a little bit ago, and now they're going to be on the Mindshift podcast. So I'm talking to them this week I'm also talking to Dr. Terry Daniel. We're gonna be talking about mental health, religion, grief, death, and dying. And I've also got a scheduled call with Dr. Yanya Lalich. She was on the show a few years ago. I'm going to be talking with her about the Nexium cult and all the stuff that went down around the Keith Raniere trial. So she was a pivotal part in that as well. So she's an absolutely fascinating guest. I'm looking forward to talking to Yanya Lalich, and then as well, take a look at the YouTube channel that I've got for the Mindship podcast. The episode that I just did the other day with Peter Montgomery is going to drop on there. We took a look at the Trump riots, the Jericho march that was held right before the riots. And we had a look at Pastor Greg Locke and some of the incendiary statements that he made. So we broke that down and had a really good, thorough discussion about what's going on in terms of the Christian right and the world of Trumpism right now, currently. And then I've also got the first episode on my new series called Profiles of the Christian Right, coming out with Mark Potok. We did a chat on Doug Wilson, who is a Reconstructionist pastor out of Moscow, Idaho. And I'm going to be talking to him as well again at the end of January here also got a call scheduled with katherine stewart the author of the power worshipers and the good news club and so that's going to be part of that series on the profiles of the christian right so just some absolutely unbelievable content coming down the pipeline i just wanted to say too a huge thank you to mike phillips He's the latest Patreon supporter of MindShift Podcast, a $10 a month supporter, so I'm going to be sending him a nice MindShift Podcast t-shirt. I've also been busy trying to gather up my nice little gifts from North Wales to send out. It's kind of hard to get a hold of him now because everything's on lockdown, but I am working on that, sending the rest of those out to the people who support the show at a $5 a month level. So thank you to all the people in January who supported the show on patreon much appreciated all right let's get back into the second half of the chat with paul james caden as i say we're going to get into this issue of dominion theology evangelicalism and the involvement in politics as we take a look at this issue in more detail So now I'm getting into your podcast. You've got this podcast, The Mind's Eye, but that wasn't the way it was always named, was it? You've changed it at least once. Why have you changed the name of your show and what's that all about?
0: Well, I started uh, probably about three years ago. I started with the spirit side and it was more of a, uh, you know, kind of spiritual paranormal, uh, you know, type of show. Although I would talk sometimes about social issues with a bit of a uh, logical, spiritual bent on it. Uh, But it got a little too much. You know, I was interviewing people, uh, some of them that were very popular in the YouTube world. You know, I debunked a lot of conspiracy theories and, you know, some of these people, they seemed nice enough and they would come on the show and we talk about things and a lot of their followers started like listening to my show. And uh, I guess I just got caught up in the numbers where I started talking a little bit too much about the conspiracy type of thing. And uh, I said, this isn't what I had planned to do with podcasting. So, you know, I ended up like leaving that show behind. Then I started the infinite journey, you know, I've been playing around with, with different podcasts mm-hmm. and that was more specialized just talking about, you know, spirituality rising above the, you know, the, the clamor and the chaos of the, the world and even the world of religion, you know, that uh, we hear a lot of in this particular world. But eventually I, I'm too much of a person that has to talk what's on my mind. And I've, I've had a blog since 2008 called The Mind's Eye and uh, people still read it. You know, I, I still write on it. Mm-hmm. It's a very diverse blog. It, it, it will cover, you know, spirituality, metaphysics, uh, you know, social issues, you know, that type of thing. So I said, you know what? Why not just make the, the blog or the, the the podcast married to the blog? Because that's, you know, that's really more who I am. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think when you, when you, you know, for me anyway, doing podcasts and, and putting things on on YouTube uh, it, it was kind of a learning curve because you have people that they get very confused or don't want to listen if you talk about more than one subject. So it gets very limiting. Right. And, and I found myself trying to do that with a, a couple of podcasts, like tailor it to the audience. And I just said, you know what, that, that's not me. If, and if mm-hmm. you're not a thinking person, if you, if, if you can't focus on more than one subject or topic at a time per show then this isn't the show for you because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in the mental crib, you know, or I'm just kind of,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, essentially you, <laughs> You have to let your audience find you. Then is that what you're saying, rather than tailoring it? Because obviously, it's like it's like music, isn't it? You can put a boy band together and have have somebody write hit songs for this band to perform, and you're going to find a huge following. You're creating it for a specific demographic, aren't you? But the the artist who's playing in pubs and clubs and bars and paying their dues, they build a following because the people who like their music stay with them, and the rest of them don't. <laughs> it takes it's a lot harder to do it that way, man. You know, then tend to be a boy band that some huge producer put together in Hollywood somewhere, you know,
0: it is. And, and I don't, I don't want to be the, uh, one of the boy bands of, of podcasting. If people look at the description of my, my, uh, my podcast, you know, it's got a whole bunch of stuff in there that I will talk about. I've always talked about on the blog, people have read the blog, they still read it. So people have no issues coming on there and, and, and reading, you know, one day it might be about the political atmosphere, you know, uh, of the country. Another time it might might be more about metaphysics or, you know, so people can handle it. You know, I I don't want to cater to the, uh, the intellectual infants that just say, Oh, you're not talking about conspiracy theory. I can't listen to this. You know, good go somewhere else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's a show out there for you. I've got some Christian podcasts they could listen to that that talk about conspiracy, but they're, they're full blown. (laughs) They believe in it. You know, they're promoting it. But now you've just changed the name of it yet again, or did you create yet another third podcast called the Mind's Eye, or is that was your that was your second iteration?
0: Yeah, that was a, it. Went from the spirit side to the uh, to the infinite journey to the Mind's Eye, and that's uh, that's where it's going to stay because that's that's the field I'm most comfortable in, being more broad in topic and 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 not, uh, not holding back an opinion. You, yeah, know? you don't want
1: to limit yourself, do you?
0: No, and, and I and I found that you know when I first started, why I fell into that trap is that my podcast was more popular on YouTube than it was on the po- the podcasting platforms. Now it's just the opposite. Hmm. Uh, but I found that, yeah I was falling into that YouTube trap. You know, tailoring it to the audience to certain people because some of the guests that I had on the show and their followers came and listened to me and I was like, Hey, this is pretty good. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm monetized, monetized. So, you know, let me just kind of ride this wave. Sure. You're making money. Then then after a while I said, no, it's, you know, that's not who I am. So I demonetized my own YouTube channel and (laughs) I I changed it all up. And uh, you know, here I am today. Here you are.
1: That's cool. Well, now let's talk about maybe in this last section, what about this political events that's going on right now? You've got all the stuff in Trump world. So you write on politics and current events. It sounds like you you talk about that as well on your show. What is your take now on what's going on, especially as it relates to the evangelical charismatic side, as you're seeing things develop here in Trump
0: world? Well, it's like we talked about on my show. This is uh, a whole push for their uh, dominion theology, you know, these... Mm-hmm. And I always found that curious, and I didn't know why when I first started watching like televangelists and, you know, hanging around a lot of evangelicals, you know, why so many of these people, you know, if Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Why? Why are so many of these uh, Christians very popular television ministries and ministers? Why are they running for president of the United States? Why are <laughs> they hanging? Why are they hanging around with all these politicians? What's up with that? You know. And uh, later found out, you know, there's this thing called Dominion theology that you know they they believe there's certain things they have to do in order to get the world ready for Christ to return or the rapture to happen. And uh, you know, as we talked about, uh, you know, they they take their cue from uh, Genesis. You know go forth, you know, and have dominion over the earth. And how are they going to do that except through uh, politics? And, you know, with Donald Trump, I think they thought they were getting very close to realizing that goal. And when it fell through, you know, it made them mad. It, um, you know, like anybody, you know, here's your shiny new toy. Now I'm taking it away. They're going to throw a temper tantrum, you know, (laughs) They're, uh, they're basically throwing a temper tantrum trying to make people think that you know trump is going to pull this thing off you know under the guise of spirituality oh you know joe biden he's not the president you know i'm I'm sure you saw that yeah (laughs) that clip of kenneth copeland with you know laughing the media said you know And, and i also think you know i don't watch those people anymore but occasionally i'll see like the um the interview with someone like kenneth copeland on you know, one of the uh, the new shows will track him down and ask him about his planes and all the money that he makes. And uh, just looking at that guy, you know, and, and I saw a clip of Pat Robertson also uh, talking about Donald Trump. And it's like, you know, to me, that form of Christianity is not only spiritual poison, but it causes psychological damage because I think these I think these people they were off the rocker back in the day, but now they're really off the rocker, you know, and it's, it's, it's almost like the mad scientists trying to take over the world, only it's, you know, the, the mad politicians trying to take over the world through their dominion theology. I don't know. I, I you know, I don't think Trump is gonna pull this off. And when Biden gets in there, I don't think we've seen the last of this. I think the evangelicals and the Trump supporters, you know, what are they gonna pull out next? You know, I, I feel like this is their cue to try to start some kind of like civil war or, you know, counterculture. You know, we have that new uh that new uh, social media site, I think it's called Parlor.
1: Yeah, parlor. You know? Now all the fun all the fundamentalists and Maga supporters are heading over to parlor now, aren't they?
0: Yeah, and and people say I, I read a few articles and they said, man, that 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 place is like A, it's crazy, and B, it's yeah. really it's really scary. The level of crazy that's there, unfiltered.
1: Yeah, because they're the only ones in there. I think it's a massive echo chamber. So there's nobody to actually argue against their position is that they're just free to spread their madness and their conspiracy theories.
0: And what are they going to do? You know, what what, what are they going to do when, when Trump is out? Because he's going to be out there. There's no way he can pull this off now, even though there's still some uh, evangelicals who think, well, it's not over till it's over. It's not over yeah. till uh, January 20th, you know? Yeah.
1: But it gives them an enemy to castigate, doesn't it? It's the classic sort of stab in the back theory, like Germany at the end of World War One. they had someone to blame. Then they blamed the Jews for why they lost the war. And of course, later Hitler was able to use that to you know, get his countrymen uh, agitated against the Jews and scapegoat them. And it was a con- convenient conspiracy theory as to why they lost the war. And here's mm-hmm. Trump doing the same thing, isn't he? I listen to a podcast. I listen to it every once in a while just to kind of get a feel for what these Christian right-wing nuts are talking about. It's called Stand in the Gap Radio. And it's really interesting because they have some serious, strange, whack-nut jobs on the show. And I listened to one the other day on the way to work. They had a guy's name's name is Leo Homan, and he is a complete conspiracy theorist of the first order. And he was saying that what Trump needs to do in this interim time is he apparently he signed this executive order. I I need to go research this to find out if this is true back in September, whereby if there was chaos around the election time, he could declare a national emergency and just declare it all null and void and accuse people of insurrection and treason. And this Christian, this Leo Homan was saying he needs to pull that trigger. Now he needs to just declare it all null and void. And he's got this executive order that he already set up back in September and I'm like, man, this is incredibly dangerous. These are millions of Christians that are listening to radio shows and podcasts like this, and they're they're right in there with all the conspiracy theories. He's talking about this. This is a Marxist-Leninist coup. There's money coming from communist China through Venezuela. I mean, it's all the conspiracy theories that Trump himself is. You know, there he went on Facebook the other day, didn't he, for like a 45-minute rambling speech, and it was just a bizarre rant about promoting all these conspiracy theories. So they're getting it from Trump himself, and then they're just amplifying it to their evangelical base. So it's it is very irresponsible and dangerous as I see it.
0: Oh, I think it's very safe and sane. Though.
1: <laughs> You're no, absolutely it's... fine with it.
0: <laughs> they're not. They no, don't they... have
1: enough of a voice yet. <laughs> That's what. It no. Is.
0: Well, we need to get over there on Parlor.
1: <laughs> Good God! Yeah, we need to carve out a space on Parlor. <laughs> oh man, that is crazy. Yeah, it's they're so d- crazy.
0: They're doing. They're doing. And I just did a show. It was kind of a. A spin-off of the the ones that we did on on my podcast, talking about the evangelicals, and uh, I, I just put one out today uh, called "Are You Proclaiming Life But Walking the Broad Road of Destruction?" Mm. And the, man, you know, people aren't happy with this one either because you know I, I pointed out that all of these uh, fundamentalists and evangelicals and conspiracy theorists—they're doing the exact thing that they're claiming that their enemy is doing. Mm -hmm. The Democrats are trying to steal the election. Well, we have, we have no evidence for that, but Trump's trying to steal the election. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. We have all of these uh, conspiracy Christians who for years now have said the government's no good. Don't trust the government. You know, they're, they're all a bunch of Satanists or, you know, the antichrist is going to come out of, you know, the government somewhere along the line. Now we we have them tripping over a politician like he's the Pied Piper. And they they believe every word that he says, you know, these people, these people go out there and they were all yelling from the rooftops. uh, We have to get Trump back in office because, uh, you know, Biden, is gonna to try to the Democrats are going to try to uh, overturn you know Roe versus Wade. So they're out there pro-life, pro-life, but then you look at what they're doing and, and I asked this question on my show and I got some hate mail for this in my email. I said, you know, if you're out there chanting pro-life because you're 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 part of this kind of cult mentality, I said you might want to ask yourself, are you really? Because all these people that are out there following the evangelicals, following MAGA, following this whole religious conspiracy, political amalgamation that's that's happening right now, I said, you're all the ones who are during a pandemic, not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, flouting all and the protocols. I said, and, I, and and I read a I read a meme on Facebook the other day that said, you know if you can't wear a mask during a pandemic to protect your friends and your family and your your community, then don't talk to me about pro-life. And I said, and I said, and boy, that, that meme is, is true. I said, and and I do, I I personally know three people that have had family members die of COVID and they still said, well, it doesn't matter. Uh, We're going to live while we're alive And we're going to have 20 plus or 30 plus people in our homes at Thanksgiving. And we're not wearing masks. We're not socially distancing. I said, so if if you can't value the lives of your family members during a pandemic, you're just flying in the face of everything. How the hell are you standing out there saying, well, I'm a good Christian. I'm pro-life. I'm for the good. You're not. You don't give a damn about anything except yourself. But of course, and they're that-
1: taking yeah, they're taking refuge in magical thinking. They're anti-science, quoting Bible verses that God's going to protect them. And plus, there's another part of this, you know, too, Paul, and that is the whole—they're violating our constitutional rights, our First Amendment rights of freedom of speech and freedom of uh, assembly. And so, to shut down churches, that's that's government overreach. That what you were just talking about, you know. So this is part of their whole narrative, isn't it? It's all somehow a big government overreach. The, the real pandemic here, Paul, you should know this from all your <laughs> conspiracy theories that it's really all about shutting down churches, man, and denying people their religious freedom. So, of course, they're going to gather in churches without masks and they're going to spread it. But, of course, they're denying the whole thing. I mean, it's just I would say it's become an apocalyptic death cult. That's really what it is. They're willing to die and put the lives of themselves and their loved ones on the line all for the sake of what? So they can go have a church service or go to a Trump rally. Yeah, they're they're absolutely doing it. Like you said, they're doing it right now.
0: And I I remember uh, just not so very long ago, you know, in in the late summer and into the fall, you know, when they they were saying, you know, are are the schools going to open in September or are they not? Yeah. And uh, we we had people like uh, televangelist John Hagee out there. These people railing and you know uh, starting lawsuits, you know, in in their state, you know, to you know, we got to open the schools, we got to get the kids back to school. Well, where's your pro life now? You're you're yeah, you know, you you could be sending these kids to their doom, but you don't even exactly. think about that, you know.
1: Yeah, Hagee caught COVID too, didn't he?
0: Yeah, I thought he was going to be a goner, but he wasn't (laughs) somehow.
1: Yeah, he's he's not in very good shape, is he? I thought I I didn't think he was going to make it, but somehow he's pulled through. Of course, he has access to the best medical care like Trump and some of these others that most Americans don't have. So that's another layer of irony on this whole thing. Well, I heard you said before, um, if people want to find you and find the Mind's Eye podcast, the episode that you and I did, you got some pushback on that, too. So if people want to head over there, they can listen to the episodes <laughs> we did and find out what 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 do we talk about that was so controversial that you got pushback from your evangelical supporters or followers on your podcast.
0: Yeah, you know, all they have to do is uh, they can go on uh, Apple Podcasts, they can go on YouTube or just Google, you know, Paul James Caden or Paul James Caden, the Mind's Eye, you know, and, and everything, uh, you know pops up there you can find the links and videos and blogs and uh you know it it is a little bit more of a uh spiritually based uh podcast uh you know for those who might not be into that sort of thing and, and and that's okay but i you know i talk about other things too and then we have uh those shows which were uh i thought really great
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I listened to him on the way to work the other day. And yeah, I thought this is really good. I can't remember all the stuff we'd covered. and I'm thinking, oh, I need to go back and listen to these again, because we got into some pretty heavy, uh, deep topics, religion, spirituality, dominion, theology, Trumpism, a little bit of my story, a little bit of your story. So yeah, I thought we had a really good conversation. So uh, how else can people find you? What's your Twitter handle? Are you on Facebook as well?
0: I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, on Twitter. it's just Paul James Caden, just Paul James Caden on Facebook. Uh, I'm not on Instagram or uh, mm-hmm. I found that one to be pretty uh, even more worthless than Facebook. <laughs> so, <laughs> you
1: know, it's connected I'm, to Facebook. yeah, it's owned by Facebook now, isn't it they they own it's like these massive corporations they just buy up everything. Microsoft owns everything too that Facebook or Twitter doesn't own.
0: Yeah, and, and by the time I got rid of uh, all the people on Facebook that were evangelicals, pro-Trump, and all the conspiracy nonsense, I only see probably about the same two or three people <laughs> right. every time Every time I go on. that You can hear crickets singing on my Facebook. They just and keep I don't, trolling you. And I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: That's a good way to end it. I don't care either, so listen, Paul, let's... <laughs> We'll do this again. Maybe we can have you come back in if you want, and we'll do a uh, one of our MindShift podcast Zoom calls if you're interested in guesting on one of those. I think people would love to chat with you and get to know you a little bit. So if we can revisit that, maybe we can come back around in the new year and get you back booked in on one of our Zoom calls.
0: Yeah, that's, that would be great.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Paul. You take care of yourself, and I will speak to you again.
0: Awesome being here, man. Thanks for having me.